Crazy Talk is part of the AudioWorks podcast network. You can find out more at audio-works.co.uk. Other podcasts on the network include the Five Film Death Punch podcast, a twice-monthly interview exploring guests' five favourite films featuring directors, radio hosts and more, and the podcast that started it all, the AudioWorks podcast, weekly long-form interviews with interesting, successful and funny people. Check them out. Hello and welcome to Crazy Talk episode 5. My name is Meg Amigiasvand here with another fortnightly slice of mental health related conversation. Um, First things first, hope you all had a great Christmas and New Year. Took a little time to recharge or like me, maybe you took some time to let your hair down and have some beers. Either way, hope you had a great time. Before I get into this week's topic, I'd just like to give a quick shout out to my good friend Leah Stonehill for sharing something with me that I think you'll all find really interesting, all five of you or less, that's how many people I imagine are listening to this, but um, anyway, um, John Grant, the American folky singer-songwriter, sat down with Marianne Hobbs at the BBC to share his experiences of fear and anxiety, and it's a really good listen it's only I think about 10 minutes long it's not that long um but check it out it's it's really interesting um I'll post the link on the Facebook page so this week's topic is a bit of a different one because I want to look at the perspective of someone who doesn't actually have a mental health condition but who has a close relationship with someone who does and this is quite a personal one for me because it's my long-suffering girlfriend who I'm going to be talking to we met online in 2013 bit of a modern day romance. She lived in New Zealand and I lived 11,500 miles away here in the UK and crazy as it sounds we fell in love without even meeting face to face. She took the plunge though and came over here for a six-week holiday but ended up cancelling her return flight and we've been here together ever since. The thing is, when we met, my depression and anxiety hadn't actually reared its head for a really long time, and the person she met then and fell in love with was the best version of me. But only a year into our relationship, I suffered a pretty catastrophic relapse, and the whole dynamic of our relationship changed forever. So without further ado, here is Alex Vucic talking to me about her experience of loving someone with a mental health condition. Okay, so first of all, we should mention that you have a very bad cold. Your voice is not normally this nasal, so don't be embarrassed. (laughs) We've got that out of the way. Yes. You are very poorly, and I'm probably going to get it too, just in time for the weekend, which is fabulous. Um, But yeah, in the intro, I sort of mentioned how we met, 
we met online and we were talking for seven months before yeah, you got I think, here. I think seven months, yeah. Um, I feel like I'm interviewing you for like <laughs> yeah, a crime. I know. Like the way you're responding. Um, I think it's because I've gone into like my work mode. This is my professional mode. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, we met online and um, I guess when we met, I don't know if you'd agree with this, but I feel like I was a completely different person than to what I am now. I mean, I don't know if you feel like that. You mean emotionally? Well, yeah, I mean, I was definitely in a very good place mm. with my mental health at that time. And I am I feel like I told you that I'd had problems. I don't feel like when it happened it was like a huge shock and I'd never told you. I think you mentioned that you had anxiety issues. Um, yeah. However, depression was something that I don't think... Yeah. Had really been mentioned Well, it wasn't, before. I don't think, something that I'd ever really th mm. had that badly. But, yeah, so you'd been here for probably, like, almost a year. Mm -hmm. And then I got a bit poorly and sort of, I guess, my mental health problems just kind of... Why are you laughing? Because I don't think it was just a bit poorly. No, but I mean physically... Oh, yeah, I thought you were talking about mentally. No, no, no. <laughs> Physically, I got, yeah. I got ill. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you got kidney. You had kidney stones, didn't you? Yeah, and, and it kind of... Uh, my mental health problems had always kind of been linked with, like, physical illness kind of triggering it. And that it came out of nowhere. Mm. And just out of... Just within the space of a few hours, I was suddenly back in, like, hyper-anxious mode. And it was horrible. It was probably the the worst like 24 hours of my life mm. it was absolutely horrible I mean how did that feel for you having known me for like over a year as one as a certain way and then suddenly seeing me just as this like complete mess um I don't know I've been kind of I've been thinking about I knew you were going to ask this question so I've been kind of thinking about how I would answer it because I never really thought about how I felt because I suppose I wasn't the one going through depression, so I always thought that it was quite selfish for me to think about how I felt because I wasn't the one experiencing mental health problems. So it was quite selfish for me to suddenly talk about how I felt, if that made sense. Um, I think I think the best way of describing it is I felt quite alone. Yeah. And I suppose the best way that I can describe it was you know when you're staying over at your friend's house yeah as a sleepover and you're like super hyperactive and you're talking to them before you go to sleep and then you suddenly realize halfway through the conversation that they've actually fallen asleep and you're kind of just left alone I think that's the best way of describing it so you kind of felt like I just sort of switched off I wasn't there anymore yeah it was just a void yeah and I think that was because I had no sort of warning that it was coming or what to expect. Yeah. When it did happen, I think I was totally unprepared for it. Yeah, well, I was unprepared too. I didn't know it was going to happen. It just happened. And I think for me, like, something that made my anxiety worse at that time was that I was petrified that you were just going to leave because... 
I was like, she didn't sign up for this. She's moved like to the other side of the world to be with me. And all of a sudden, within the space of a few hours, I'm a completely different person. Mm. And I remember, I remember saying to you, like just before I went to the hospital um, that night, like, I'm, I'm going to be really different from now on. Do you remember me saying that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I said, like, you need to be prepared. I'm going to be a different person now. Yeah. And I think, yeah, for a long time I was a completely different person. Yeah, you were. And I think I think that's one of the reasons why I got into study so much was because I had to kind of do something to distract myself. Well, you're still doing a lot of studying, <laughs> Alex, so... It's because I need to keep my okay. mind occupied. Okay, yeah, so just just to like give that a bit of context, you kind of started studying a lot for... Like different IT certificates and stuff, you're moving into a new kind of career. And it paid off. Yeah, but <laughs> so I guess you, I didn't actually know that, but that's yeah. why you started doing that. Well, because when you had, when you had your initial kind of, I mean, that time was just horrible because you were ill mentally and then your mum was going through chemotherapy. Yeah. So the house was just quite chaotic and quite emotional, I think. And it, when when you weren't unwell, you were obviously trying to take care of your mum. And when your mum wasn't too physically unwell, she was trying to take care yeah. of you. So it was kind of like this vice versa role yeah. thing happening. And then obviously my bubba died as well. So I was going through that. So I think as a way of like distracting my brain, I kind of just put it into studying. Yeah. And forced it to focus on something else. Yeah. Because I, yeah, I just felt like when it happened, it it just set me back, like, years in terms of, like, my recovery from anxiety mm. and depression. Like, all of a sudden, I was back in, like, a really bad place. And like you said, yeah, like, my mum got diagnosed with cancer and that that just was, like, the hardest thing for mm. me because I was already in a bad place mm. and I went to an even worse place and obviously for you you're living in a house with my family it must have been like I don't know was it uncomfortable for you like I feel like it should have been but it wasn't because I feel like your mum is like my mum I feel if that makes sense yeah like I think your family is just so my family now that it didn't feel like I was in some random person's house. Yeah. Um, I think, so I think it was difficult for me watching your mum go through that. And then obviously watching you go through that. And I think the hardest thing about being a partner of someone with depression is the fact that you can't go through it with them. Mm -hmm. So I can, I can be there for you even though most of the time you don't want to talk to me when you're in a bad way, which I struggled with initially, it's more a case of I can't help you, if that makes sense. So my version of helping, which probably isn't correct, is to basically go in and say, what's the problem? Okay, how do we fix it? Let's let's fix it, basically. Whereas with depression, something that I've learnt well, over the years now, is it's a case of I can't fix it. Yeah. But I can support you 
by listening to you and obviously loving you. Um, but I, I really struggled initially with the fact that I just couldn't, it wasn't something that I could just go in and fix because I'm, I love solving problems and it wasn't a problem that I could really solve. Um, so yeah, no, I don't think I found it uncomfortable at all. I think it was just a situation that I kind of learnt to adapt mm. to. Um, and I learnt a lot about, well, I learnt a lot about the disease really because I didn't know anything about depression. And I remember buying you a bunch of books about depression yeah. and I think I got more out of them than you I did. I don't, I think I started reading one and I was just like, <laughs> this is too much. Yeah. Like, I, I know what's happening in my brain. I don't need this book telling me what's happening in my brain. But I like, obviously that was one of your ways of trying to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. But and that was the same with with um antidepressants as well because we got to, um me and Carol Carol and I we got my mum yeah <laughs> yeah we got to a point where we just didn't know what to do anymore and we're not professionals and I don't think people realize depression until you're dealing with it it's quite vicious and I wasn't prepared for that. I thought I could handle anything that was thrown at me. But being faced with my partner, who obviously I was in love with, being depressed, it just totally over. It was overwhelming. I didn't know what to do. And no amount of Googling solved the problem. It was all about if you have depression, then do X, Y, Z. But it was never if your partner is depressed, it was just some, it was basically just really sad stories about partners who had been depressed for like 15 years and they eventually just broke up with them, which wasn't very helpful. Yeah. Um, and so that was, that was kind of why we pushed you to go, to go to the doctor and get antidepressants was because I think at that point I just felt completely overwhelmed. I just didn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, And I mean, they, they sat on my bedside table for probably like two months before I actually like, plucked up the courage to start taking them but I mean that must have been quite a relief for you when I finally did start taking them I think it was and it was kind of a step I felt like it was a step towards you wanting to get better yeah if that makes sense well I did I always wanted to get better but I was just absolutely terrified yeah I had this constant feeling in my gut of just like you know like when you're home alone and you feel like you hear someone in the house and you get that feeling in your stomach I had that feeling constantly so it was like it took quite a lot for me to then you know do this thing that I was quite scared of which was taking medication for my condition but I mean did, did you did you notice them helping me um I think I expected like a sudden yeah yeah and I think I expected a bit more from them so I kind of thought like antibiotics right yeah you take it and probably within 24 hours you start getting better and then eventually after a couple of days you're well and I kind of just thought it's medication so in my mind I assumed that it worked that way however it did take a while, but when it did start working, you you were you, but 
you know, obviously, you know, you know what it does to you. It dulls you down, doesn't yeah. it? And I think I really struggled because I was kind of expecting same old me. Yeah. yeah, and I'm not saying like, you know, back to your old self because that must think that's incorrect. But seeing you on antidepressants, I think it was a realization of oh, okay, it was just different. If that makes sense, because. Now you're totally different to how you were when you first went on them. But when you first were on them, it was just total, like, emotional disconnection from me. Yeah. Because, obviously, you you weren't you could get out of bed, so you weren't as depressed as you were. But I didn't have that connection. It was almost like there was a wall before you, and antidepressants were that wall. And I really struggled to kind of deal with that initially. But so do you think that's gone now? Because I'm still taking yeah. the same dose. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, you were on quite a high dose when you first started, weren't you? And they... No, no. Oh. I've always been on quite a low dose. Because when, oh, okay. when they increased my dose, do you remember? Yeah. When it just fu- fucked yeah. me up completely. We went to Birmingham for my birthday. Yeah. And that was, like, one of the lowest points. Because I, they were just making me so ill. So then I had to go back down to just, like, quite a low dose. But I do think, like, in the last 12 months... I would say, you know, I totally forget you're even taking antidepressants. Yeah. Because you Sometimes are... I forget, and I forget to take them. <laughs> yeah, and then a few days go by, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to take them. <laughs> no, exactly. And I think, for me, I, I wouldn't say you are antidepressants now. You're numb, if that makes sense. Yeah. I still feel quite numb. Like, I still feel like I'm spaced out all the time. But it's good that it's not affecting you yeah. as much. No, it's not at all. I mean, I we have a really strong emotional connection. I mean, you were even saying the other day that at the moment our relationship is the strongest it's ever been, and I fully agree with that, like emotionally, physically. I think sometimes you have to go through something like that Yeah. to really, like... I mean, one of my fears growing up or kind of post... Um, after I started having mental health problems, was that I'm never going to be able to have a long-term relationship because no one's going to ever put up with this in the long term. You know, while I'm okay, it'll be okay, but as soon as I have, like, start having problems, no one's going to understand that, no one's going to put up with it. So for me, to have you be so supportive and just try so hard and stick around and do whatever you could for me, that was just like... It just made me realise how lucky I am and I don't think... I don't know if anyone else would actually ever do that for me. Mm. But, yeah. I think if I didn't love you, then I think I would have probably walked away at some point because it is... It is so draining. You, I lose... Basically, when someone's depressed, you're not getting anything back, if that makes sense. I mean, I know it sounds really selfish, but you're literally not getting anything in return. So you're constantly just giving out all your energy and your affection and your love. And you kind of just like deplete your reserves. And if you don't love that person, then yeah, I can see why people would just walk away. But when you're in love with that person, then it makes no sense to ever kind of walk away from them. Because... It's like marriage, right? You're in, you're in for the long haul. You're in 
for sickness and you know and in health as well yeah but I think the thing that really helped me I don't know if it's helped you was I kind of stopped trying to fix the issue and I focused on basically just one which was just loving you so regardless just giving you as much love as I can and reminding myself to do that more often and then two is when you are having a bad day because you still have bad days now but everyone does it's a case of just sitting there and, and listening to you so not trying to fix anything just giving you kind of like a sounding board to to vent or whatever yeah. I think that has actually like made a, a massive difference for me I think it's a really good piece of advice for anybody who has a partner or a loved one who's who's going through anxiety or depression or another men- mental illness is just you're not going to be able to fix it so just be there for them and just I sometimes I just need somebody to just listen to me yeah. or to just but then you know it's like you know now yeah when I want to be listened to and when I want to just be left alone yeah yeah <laughs> I think that was something really hard for me as well and I still find it difficult is walking away from you if that makes sense like sometimes you'll just be in bed and it's kind of one of those things where I I have to just know that okay she needs to go to bed now or she needs to just be on her own and it's learning to just walk away from you yeah which is quite hard when you love that person you kind of just let them let them deal with it on their own yeah for an evening hmm I remember like one of the things I really struggled with, especially at the start, was kind of having this, yeah, that fear that you were just, just going to leave me. And I remember like I started like spending a lot of money on you and being quite rec- like impulsive and reckless with my spending. Like, I remember I bought you a, place- a PlayStation 4. <laughs> I was going to say, just that out of the you blue. bought me a PlayStation Yeah, because I was like, she's going to leave me. Like, really? She's... Who would put up with this? She's going to leave me. So I was just like, I need to do something. What can I do? I'm pretty much useless at the moment. All I can do is just buy you things. So yeah, like, I don't know. It's just, yeah. No, I don't think, you know what? Like, sorry, I just like snorted. It's okay. (laughs) Do you need to blow your nose? No, I think, I think I'll be all right. Um, I don't think, you know, I had heard of people who had left their partners, who were depressed. I remember someone even said to me, it's probably easier if you just leave her. Uh, who was that? You're not telling me. But <laughs> it was one of those things where it, it, that thought never even crossed my mind because I think when you're in love with someone, it just it just isn't a thought process that you'd ever go through, if that makes sense. So I've never got to the point where I'm like, if this continues, I'm going to leave her. That's never been kind of a thing for me. It's just been a, we need to work through this. And I think that's something that I've learned is that it's not just me trying to fix you. But we're in this as a team. So when you are down, I'm there to support you and kind of, you know, help you. And then when obviously when I'm having bad days, because I have bad days as well, you do the same for me. Yeah, I think I'm... Something I want to ask you then is, if if I hadn't got better, would you 
what would you have done if I'd kind of been stuck in that place? Would you have just given up? I mean, I know that's quite a horrible question to yeah. ask you, actually, <laughs> yeah. considering I'm sitting right here in front of you. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, uh, I mean, there were times when I genuinely thought, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to be like section. Yeah, institutionalized or something. I need to. I'm gonna need to go into hospital for this. If that had happened, I mean, how do you think you would have coped with that? Um, I think myself personally, I would have got by. And that's purely on the fact that I would have had Carol to support me. Mm-hmm. My mum's a legend. Yeah. If and honestly, that when you were having when you had your horrible mental breakdown, one of the things that actually helped me through that was the fact that I had Carol to bounce off, and yeah, she supported me. And you supported her. Well, yeah. Well, I hope I hope I did um, try and give something back. But I think if you had gotten. I'm just off the top of my head, if you had continued to be that depressed, we probably would never have moved out. Yeah. Because I would have needed Carol yeah. to kind of support me, I suppose, and to kind of keep me... Because that was one of my biggest worries, was what if I get depressed? Or what if what if I start having, having issues? Um, because I always felt like I had to be... Yeah, I suppose there for you. So I would kind of need Carol in a way of kind of supporting me. And and if you had been sectioned, then again, we would have just dealt with it. Really, I think yeah. You and you and my mum were like, well, you you're the re- both the reason that I'm still here now. Because if I if I hadn't had that support, I was so low you know but I think that's having like a really good support network is so important it just is like I I think it's more important than therapy drugs if you've got a good support network it can be like a real lifesaver and I think that yeah you guys were that for me so you know and I think also Rhea was quite understanding wasn't she yeah give her a bit of cred yeah no but I think that's the thing I I think one thing obviously from my family one thing that I would struggle with if I had mental health issues would be because there's a huge stigma around it and it would be a case of you know your family were just so non-judgmental about the whole thing Mm -hmm. and I think that potentially helped you as well, just being so open about when you're having bad days. Well, yeah, I've never thought about how what it would have been like if there was kind of a judgment there. Yeah, I mean, even now, like, probably shouldn't tell you this, but even now, if you're having a bad day, I'll pre-ward Carol before we come round. That you're having... That's probably good, because sometimes, yeah. <laughs> sometimes being, like, in a, like, my, like, crazy family house can be, like, quite a difficult for me when I'm not feeling great yeah and sometimes I'll pre-warn Carol and I'll just say you know just FYI Meg's quite anxious today or Meg's a bit down today and then Carol obviously knows how to approach the situation and so she can kind of give you what you need when you're over there and make sure all the chaos is kind of kept in the lounge or whatever um and the same you know when you've had a bad day in the house 
Rhea and your mum will contact me to ask what's going on and obviously I'll explain the situation um, and be quite open and honest about it. And I think if I tried to hide all of that through fear of you being judged by your family or any sort of stigma, then I would really struggle as well because I use those, I use Rhea and your mum as like my network, yeah, my support network. So when I'm, you know, when you're having a really bad day and I'm drained and I find that, I don't know what to do and I don't know how to deal with it and I'm struggling. The first people that I turn to are Rhea and Carol. They're my support network. So I think it's important as well as a partner to have your own support network and not isolate yourself and deal with the problems on your own because you feel like you can't speak to your partner about your issues with, with, I suppose their disease. Um, it's building up your own sort of support network. Yeah. Which is very has been very helpful for me. Yeah. I think it's important for anyone who's dealing with mental health, whether you're the one who has the problem or it's somebody you know. Like, just talking is re- really, really important. Yeah. And I think that's, like, that's why I started this podcast, because I want people to feel comfortable talking about it. And it just makes a world of difference just being able to talk about it and not be worried about, like, the stigma and stuff. Yeah, it's just, like, really important, I think. I think that's quite that's quite good, because... And I think I've seen, since you've started talking about it more, it seems like more people are talking about it to you as well, which I think is really cool, because there's only so much that I can talk about it with you, but unfortunately, I don't... I cannot fully comprehend what what you go through. And I can't really try because it's a total different, you know, it's it's not just like being extremely sad or anything. It's just a, it's a totally different thing that if you if you don't don't experience it, you can't really understand it or comprehend what it feels like. So for you to have other people who are going through similar situations, you know what? If I had mental health problems, having something like this where I could hear other people um not necessarily on the far end of the spectrum where they're you know in hospital but people who are functioning um to kind of hear their experiences and what they go through you know underneath the surface yeah uh, i think it would be extremely refreshing yeah so i think it's quite good i think yeah that's a good way to describe where i am now like I'm a functioning, um, crazy person. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, like, um... It's like when someone's got autism, you know, you call them, what, high-functioning or whatever. Yeah, I mean, like, I get up and go to work every day and it never affects that and it never really affects, like, any of my commitments. Mm. But sometimes, you know, when I do have time for myself... I do just need to, like, I don't know, be sad, get it all out, and then and then I can just go on and just do everything I need to do. But having you there makes it a lot easier because you're, like, you don't, you know now how to deal with me. You don't, like, pester me. You let me just kind of get on with it, but I know that you're there if I need you. That's good. Sometimes I find that I catch myself pestering you. Because <laughs> I... Like when? <coughs> Just when you're having a bad day. Because uh, <coughs> I really struggle with non-communication really badly. 
because I feel like I need to know what the issue is because um, it gives me almost anxiety not knowing what's wrong. Uh, so sometimes I find that, and that's something that I'm learning as well, but sometimes I find that, I yeah, I do, I sit there and kind of pester you because you go inside yourself when you get depressed or when you're having a bad day. And so I feel like sometimes I have to coax you out to just communicate with me a bit um, to just make sure you're all right. Yeah. Because I don't want to ever walk away from you when you're not all right. I want to just know, are you okay? Do you just need me to leave you be kind of thing? But, yeah, sometimes I find that I'm yeah. pestering you. For I mean, luckily it doesn't happen that much anymore. I mean, how many times did I have a really bad day last year? Probably, once, I think. Once or twice. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not like a frequent thing, but... No. And I think we've, I think we've learnt your triggers now, haven't we? In some regard. Yeah. You know, certain people, yeah. certain um, well, situations, yeah, certain situations, and obviously, if you're exhausted, uh, but that's that's what everyone goes through. If you're t- extremely tired and exhausted, you have a bad day, yeah, because you're just drained, you don't have that kind of energy, yeah. And I think we've learned that with you, is- yeah. What well, we know we need a certain amount of sleep every night, yes, <laughs> and we know our limits with certain things and just don't push I just don't yeah I don't know what do you think yeah I think a lot of it comes down to that sleep aspect yeah when I'm tired I'm like vulnerable to being tipped over the edge yeah and obviously we know that with your menstrual cycle yeah (laughs) well actually that's interesting you mentioned that because the re my um I think if it wasn't for my, like, menstrual cycle, I could potentially wean myself off of my antidepressants. But it's just, like, two weeks out of the month, I just, like, dip down a bit. Um, And my doctor did suggest just taking antidepressants when I'm on my period, which I really don't think is very good advice because... That's what, like, two weeks? You're not supposed to just take them willy-nilly. Like, you need to take them constantly or not at all. And, like, wean yourself off if you're going to stop. So, yeah, but, yeah. Sometimes I just... PMT does not help. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Sometimes sometimes you'll have a down day and I kind of almost need to do a calculation of my head. Really? Yeah, and I need to work out where you are with your menstrual cycle. Because you don't want to be like, oh, it's just your period if it isn't. No, 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 no. It's because I start wondering what has triggered this. Yeah. And generally, it's the week before or a couple of days before you'll have a down day. Yeah. I mean, I do as well. But, you know, you'll have quite a down day. And so I need to almost kind of work out uh, what well where you are and, and then that that explains it that it's a case of this is just a monthly kind of down day really I see I didn't realise that you did so much thinking about it I know I do lots of thinking lots of lots of like you know late night research on stuff reading forums and still sometimes yeah and just learning about the side effects of uh well, one, depression, and two, antidepressants, because they affect people completely yeah. differently. <laughs> they give and they take away. Yeah, they do, yeah. Yeah. And it's just making sure that, I don't know, I think because because of the antidepressants and because they kind of, um, for example, 
which I think I'm just used to. You are getting better, but there was there was a there was a time there where you didn't really get the extremes. So you didn't get extremely low, which was good, but you also didn't get extremely high. So it was like you kind of got mellowed out in the middle somewhere, and I suppose it was just a case of me thinking is she unhappy in the relationship and is that why I can't make her happy anymore to that extreme that actually caused a lot of problems didn't it it did yeah it did and it was a case of uh, I well I call it the female side of my brain so the irrational part side of my brain sometimes <laughs> bit sexist yeah yeah <laughs> um, started kind of wondering and questioning whether you were actually happy because I wasn't making you happy anymore um, because I was obviously comparing you to the well, the honeymoon phase, I suppose, in our in our relationship. But it's something that I've kind of learned that you are happy. If that makes sense. I just can't necessarily show it all the time. Yeah, and and it's not it's not me not making you happy. I know you're extremely happy in this relationship. It's just the antidepressants yeah that's just a side effect and so but I did a lot of research on that and kind of had an inkling and then it just got confirmed which was quite quite a relief yeah because I guess there was a period of time when you used to get quite upset and you'd be like oh, yeah. you still love me yeah, yeah. just but, a bit of reassurance yeah yeah so yeah I guess that's probably something that if you're a depressed person or an anxious person and you have a partner and you're on antidepressants it's quite important to reassure them yes because you're because <laughs> you're not necessarily capable of giving that off anymore you have to actually like verbalize it yeah. okay cool i think that's something that people with depression need to yeah need to know as well is that because you lose a lot of that physical and emotional connection you do need to be a, quite good at communicating things so communicate how you feel um, towards the other person it might seem like overkill but it's just nice to know that you know you you're still kind of a part of the picture I don't know if that makes any sense but yeah it does I think that's what I needed and you know what we're both learning from each other and I think we're at a point now where we kind of understand one another yeah quite well I'd like to think so it's been nearly four years <laughs> yeah. I know exactly <laughs> yeah cool it's interesting well I'm trying to think if there was anything else I wanted to talk to you about it's difficult because I live with you so I talk to you about stuff all the time but we never really talk about this in much depth do we no we so, don't although it's quite like we're not uncomfortable talking about it no well, I'm not I don't know if you are no I'm not yeah so now, obviously, I'm in a pretty good place, especially over the last 12 months. I've definitely really, like, kind of not got back to my old self, but kind of do you feel like it's become less of an issue for you? Yeah, definitely. I don't think... Whereas before your depression affected our relationship and it affected me personally I don't think I changed my behavior or 
or even think about it now, if that makes sense. It's not even it's not even something that I I think about in our relationship. It, what, what do you think have been the the factors in getting to that place for you personally? Uh, well, for me, it's changing my behaviour and how I am with you. So it was coming to that realisation of... Because I used to get frustrated because I felt like you were just stuck and I couldn't get you out. So it used to frustrate me. And I think coming to that, taking a step back and kind of coming to that uh, realisation that I'm not there to fix you and that all I need to do is love you and listen to you. I think as soon as I started changing my behaviours, I felt like I saw a change in you and then it took a lot of pressure off my shoulders as well, um, which I think kind of... And then also that act, I know it sounds really, really silly, but that act of just going out of my way to love you, if that makes sense. Because I think when you live with each other, you get you get comfortable and you kind of stop going on dates, you stop, you know, buying each other flowers, you stop leaving sweet little notes. And it was bringing that back in. And it was a case of I need to start doing that again and just start supporting you in that regard. And I think I noticed that you started reciprocating that. So it's like almost like our relationships went back into that honeymoon phase where we were like doing sweet little things for each other. You know, you would walk into the pub and I would get excited to see you. It was just like all of those little, you would leave. I mean, I'm still finding them now through all of my study notes, just finding these little sweet little notes where you kind of put a love heart uh, <laughs> or on my end of my to-do list because I love a to-do list yeah. and I'll come back to it a couple of days later and, you know, it, at the bottom it will say, you know, kiss Meg, <laughs> cuddle Meg. And it's just like sweet little things like that that make me smile. And I think, I think, I think we are back to where we were at the beginning, I would say. It's like we've found a new relationship with the variables that we've been given. Mm-hmm. I like that. I just made that up. <laughs> That's beautiful. I think that should be put into a, a card of some kind. So to finish, if you could give any advice to somebody who's like in a relationship or not even necessarily in a relationship, maybe a friend or family member and someone they love is like going through it maybe mm-hmm. in a bad way at the moment what advice would you give to them as a caregiver or supporter? Um, Wow, it's advice from my own experience. Yeah, of course. Um, I would say don't try and understand what they're going through because that will just torment you. Um, Don't try and fix them. Don't try and offer any solution or problem solve for them. You're not there to make them better. Don't be their doctor, basically. Um, just treat them like you would when they're not depressed and just give them, shower them with love uh, and also just sit there and give them kind of, I suppose, an ear for them to kind of 
vent their issues and stuff like that. Don't let them obviously kind of sit there and feel sorry for themselves, but it's a case of just sit there and actually listen, genuinely listen. You don't need to say anything. I think that's quite respectful. And I think that's probably the greatest gift that anyone could give someone with mental health problems is just listen, which I think helped me massively. that's it for another episode thank you so much for listening please feel free to send me any questions comments or experiences you can email me at crazytalkthepodcast at gmail.com or you can get in touch via our facebook page at crazytalkthepodcast where you can also find updates and information about where to find help and support please do like share rate and subscribe it all helps and will hopefully lead this podcast to reaching more people i'll be back again in a fortnight until then take care